welcome to Over the Edge Podcast with Paige Ray. I am Paige. And this is a weekly chat about pushing creative boundaries, making big moves without knowing all of the answers, and jumping off a cliff to our dreams while figuring out how to build a plane on the way down. So find your favorite chair, grab your coffee, and get ready to live the dream without losing your mind. Let's go over the edge together, friends. Welcome back to Over the Edge Podcast. This week, we have a special podcast. We are doing a salon-style conversation with an amazing floral artist. We're going to welcome Linda Rule Flynn, but first, let me tell you a little bit about her. Linda believes in the power of flowers to hold your heart and transport you back to the treasured moment that they represent. Linda is a lifelong multidisciplinary artist working in paint, textiles, paper, teaching, and exhibitions. She brings all of this knowledge and passion to the table when designing and creating custom botanical collages for her clients. No two flowers are the same, so no two couples are the same, and therefore no two collages are ever the same, and that's a recipe for a new adventure every time the presses are open. Linda, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much, Paige. I that's <laughs> fun to listen to. It's it's so good. I I think it's so beautiful, and I think it's it's so beautifully kind of walks you through the entire feeling of what you make. So tell us a little bit about what you make for for your art and for your clients. Um, at the at the moment, I'm creating. Uh, for two kinds of clients, uh, I have uh, a large chunk that I do of uh, wedding bouquets. Um, so you get married, um, you're carrying flowers, you have flowers from your wedding. I personally believe that flowers hold energy and they witness a moment. So if that's important to you, then we will take that and we will create art. Um, I'm also working um with residential clients. So clients who have gardens that they love, that are old, that the dogwood tree means something. Um, I'm just, I'm gonna get goosebumps. I had a client last year, um, cherry tree. She, her family called it their love tree. Um, Their family celebrated moments around this tree. And we met and she was like, I I have to have this. So she sent me cherry blossoms. I mean, we met at the time of those 10 days of when cherry blossoms bloom and, and I created some artwork for her and her family. So it's the, you know, it's these little moments. It's the, these little things that we can connect with in terms of flowers. So I'm working with pressed flowers. That's usually what I do is press them. So I'll take flowers preserve them through the process of pressing um and then i work then i create collages and i think of them just as that you know i I lay everything out in front of me and i see the elements that are going to work together and even as i start to press them i will i'll have a vision of what that stem is going to look like because it's got a turn to it or it's got a twist or something has a knot or a hole or a bug's eaten it. I, I mean, and I don't ever want to like lose those things. I think they're all just part of the whole milieu of the flowers in the piece. So okay. I, I think that's so fascinating. And so, okay, I think I'm going to just jump right into like the process of it all. Can you tell us a little bit sure. about how that process goes or like, like, what does that look like? 
once you receive a bouquet or once you receive flowers or anything that you're going to be pressing, what is, what is your start to end process? How does that go? Oh, okay. So, uh, start to end, uh, flowers come in and we photograph them. I photograph them. Uh, we take, um, catalog what they are, how many of them that there are. Um, and I press flowers, usually a petal at a time. So if you're sending me a peony, that peony's coming all apart and it's going in the presses. So, um, they'll go in the presses and it's this whole stacking sandwiching piece process of paper and cardboard. Um, and then the studio itself, you know, temperature control, humidity control, uh, all these things. Uh, and you can't just press the flower once. Three or four days later, I'm going to have to go in and change the paper of things that are kind of damp because, you know, mold is our enemy. Moisture is the enemy of this process. So um, depending on the flower, papers will have to be changed two, three times even. Um, move them all around, like make sure the air is flowing, the fans are going. Like it's really... There are, there is a time and a place to take a lovely flower on your walk and stick it in a book. This is not that time. So, um, <laughs> uh, they, they're in the presses anywhere from two to five weeks, depending on the kind of flower. Um, once they come out, um, that's when I send uh, a photograph of a little sampling of what everything is looking like. You wanted the client process, is that what you're, yeah. Okay, so uh, take a photograph of a little sampling of what everything is looking like, that goes to the client. And and I tell people, this is completely custom. This is completely one of a kind. So some people get excited. Some people are overwhelmed, like, wait, I don't even know where to begin. So I, I give them a sampling of things that I've made for the last year or so, designs that I've done. So people can kind of get a direction. Okay, I think I like sort of like this. I think I like this. But ultimately, you really have to trust me. Because if I tell you that you've got this great stem that's got a twist in it and we have to use it, well, we can't make something really little because the stem is big. And so it's a, it starts this conversational process. Um, and what I have found over the years, so I've been doing this almost 13 years. So what I have found is that it's this back and forth of emails and photographs and Zoom conversations. And it's usually two or three times. Like I'll make a design. Sometimes I get it just right. Sometimes we need to make some changes. Um, and then I create the piece. I frame the piece. Everything's archival. Um, and then ship that off. My clients are all over the country. I've done some overseas, but you, it, the whole process, I give myself like four to six months to do. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, okay. But once I start, you got to get going. Wow. Okay. So, okay. There are so many things that are blowing my mind. I had no idea that you, it sounds like you have to disassemble the flower. Mm. What? How long does it take to disassemble the flower? Like how delicate is that work? It's actually not as delicate as you might think. Really? I mean, some flowers are more delicate than others, and some flowers are pretty sturdy. Like roses, they can really, they're not that delicate. Peonies wow. are kind of delicate. Um, ranunculus, like, they're oh. just, they're so wispy and thin. I, I swear they're thinner than, like, butterfly wings. They're just, they're, the petals are so thin, and there's so many of them. Um, 
Yeah, so some things are really delicate and some things aren't. Somebody called me a, a floral taxidermist. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> cut things out. Wow. Yeah. So, but what you're yeah. doing is you're really making custom art. And this is, this sounds like it could be the first, the first art piece that a couple like has in an art collection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the people that I work with, um, when we start the conversation, you know, of whether we're going to be a good fit to work together or not. Um, and it's the people that say that allude to the fact that they are making a piece of art for their home. And that's what this is about. It's a, and that it starts that, just what you said, that collection. It's like, what, what is the art we're going to have over this span of like 30, 40, 50 year life together of, um, what what do we want it to look like? Well, we're going to start here because it's the thing that along with, you know, wedding photography or video, you know, it's those things, those, whether ephemera, you know, paper, any sort of thing, because paper is, you know, that's just the whole other world. Um, when, when you combine those things together, it's pretty powerful. Um, so yeah, what do you, it's what you want to live with. Um, I hear so much from clients of just, I walk by it and I just smile because it takes them back and it's not, you know, it's not forced. Nobody thinks about it. It's just that lovely moment that just happens. And I, that's just everything. Oh, oh, I love that. Okay. So now we are, now we're talking about art and this is where you and I have talked before about having a salon or bringing back salons, um, to have these interesting discussions about, you know, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here as humans? What are we he doing here as creatives mm -hmm. and creators? And this is something I talk about every once in a while, but I truly believe that we all are on this earth to make something and whatever you make is different for every single person, but we all have kind of our own form of art. And I guess a good thing to start with is like, why, why is that? Why art? So I, I think the way you put it was art. What is it good for? So let's start there. <laughs> Tell me your thoughts on just like art in general. Why do we want to make things so bad? Oh, why do we want to make things? I just think it's this inherent thing that we have. I mean, cave dwellers did it. Cave dwellers made art. While they were creating fire, they were making art um, as a way to communicate, as a way to illustrate their life and show their life. And I think that that's, that's a big part of it. It's your, it's illustrating your life and whatever that means to you, whether it's stitching or it's painting or it's drawing or it's writing or it's photographing. It's, I, I just think we all have this innate need and desire to create something. And maybe it's food. My husband's an amazing cook. Like it's just maybe, I don't really like to cook that much, but he's so good at it. Um, he had just you know, that nuance of flavor that I don't get. But then somebody will look at my work and go, oh, the nuance of that little piece right there that means everything. Um, so I think it's just something that we we have to do. And then it's so funny, like you go to, I was in New York not that long ago, and you go into the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and it's packed. So people have, right? People mm -hmm. have this need to see it and witness it and be, some, they're going to get something out of it. It's just... I think yeah. that's the word. That's the word that comes to mind is like, because we can, 
I, I found that, you know, I, I publicly make art in the form of my own work and photography and, and other, all of that fun stuff. And I love that, of course, but at home, I'm also very quietly drawing and writing and making other types of art that I never share. And as much as I love it and love doing it, it never feels completely fulfilling because nobody ever witnesses it. And I think that might be a part of what the purpose of art is, is that it's not only an act of creation, but there's also an act of witnessing along with it that just creates this like this unified field of energy between humans. And I think that's where things get oh, really, really that. interesting. Um, so I think witness is, that you just said is like such a key word there. Um, witness and then witness for years. Yeah. For, yeah, for so, so long. Mm -hmm. um, and you, in like just take a moment to think about the the art that you've seen over your life and and are there particular things that mean so much to you um we my daughter and I went to Europe uh, 10 years ago and we went to see uh the van goghs in Amsterdam and i never i don't think i've ever done it since maybe the monk exhibit that we went to in uh, western mass but I cried. It was just this, like, maybe it was like all the studying and the reading and, you know, being in art school and all that, but just standing there and knowing that someone put his hand on this and created this magical image of light and shape and form to create something that just came in and just took my heart is there's just like nothing like it. I just think it's amazing. Oh, I fully agree. I, I did. I, I did the same thing when I was in college, I was very absorbed in Gustav Klimt work. And so what the first time I ever really got to go like, the first time I ever got to go kind of wherever I wanted on a Europe trip, I went to Vienna just to go to a museum that was dedicated to him. And I got to sit in front of his work. And it's so, it is so different to witness it in person because there's part of, yeah, it's the learning, it's the absorbing, it's the kind of wanting to see it in person, the energy of that. And then to actually, when it comes to a culmination of actually being in front of it, it, it totally pays off, which is, I think one of the few events where like you build up to something in your mind and it's totally like mm -hmm. as awesome as you thought it was going to be. I think standing in front of yeah. art is one of a few, one of those few events, right? It's not like New Year's Eve where you think New Year's Eve is going to be amazing and you're going to have a great time finally this year. And then you get to New Year's Eve and you're like, well, that I, I stood in line for a long time. My feet womp hurt, womp. right? Womp womp. It kind of sucks, <laughs> right? I feel like art is usually the opposite of that, right? <laughs> it is the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. It is. In fact, it's it's because it's a million times better than any printer ever made it in a book as hard as they try. And, mm -hmm. and just, but to see it like up close and just like, I, I haven't thought about this in so long, but when you said, you know, art, what is it good for? And I wish I could remember the name of this. Remember that it was a movie, George Clooney, um, maybe Matt Damon. And it was the guy, it was the men at the end of World War II who were saving the art. Remember that? Oh, right, right. Right, they were like hiding it in these caverns and and they, you know, they're like, why are we spending, why is the military spending money on this? And, and mm -hmm. you know, one of them says, because it's who we are. It's like, 
this is civilization. This is, mm -hmm. it's worth saving. It's worth being, and it just like crushes me when we lose those kinds of things. It's so, so true because it, and it's also so universally recognized just around the world at right. all times by all people that art is always worth saving and working for. And while I think the judgment of art fluctuates on what is art, which is a totally different mm -hmm. discussion, but I, for the most part, people recognize that art is worth saving. And this actually brings to mind one of my biggest pet peeves, and this is also a totally different conversation, but one of the things that a lot of, I think a lot of people are doing in like wealth portfolios is buying art because it appreciates over time and they're storing it, you know, they're storing it away. They're not hanging it in museums or even hanging it in their home. They're storing it, just waiting for it to appreciate over time and like find a, finding a way to put their money somewhere else. And there is nothing that annoys me more than that because that takes the witness mm -hmm. away from the art. And that's the opposite yes. of the point. You know, art in isolation doesn't, it, it it never comes, it never feels like it comes to fruition. Like it's, it feels like it's meant to be witnessed, you know, and mm -hmm. I think, I feel like I feel like, you know, you know, the, uh, the old, you know, um, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a noise? You know, if, if art right. is made, but never witnessed, you know, how do you even know that art exists to begin with? How, how is that, you know, how are you bringing that energy to the world? Um, right. So I, I love that. I think, yes, witness is such a powerful act for art. And I feel like it's, I feel like it's the other end of the equation for creating art. Like we're here to create, but like it needs to be witnessed. And it's just an equation that's not solved until somebody does. Until somebody does. And that's also to say, you know, we're talking about the Met, we're talking about Klimt, and we're talking about Answer Now, but let's talk about your living room. Like, yes. Right? Let's talk about your hallway. Let's talk about, like, I, I have on my studio wall, I have a gallery wall. Every single piece, what did I count? It's a little full. I wouldn't recommend this. Um, but I think there's like 16 pieces. Mm -hmm. Things I've bought for myself, things someone gave me, uh, art my children have made, photographs my husband's taken, um, floral development um, specimen chart from a local school that closed down. I mean, it just, there's a mirror. It's everything in it has a reason for being there. Yes. And I think that that's, we, as, as much as we have that urge to create, we also have that urge, I think, to find, to find the thing that resonates in our heart that we want to look at on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and it's just, and I'll say that again, when we said before recording, you know, whether you find this big acrylic piece, you know, at, at home goods or something, but you're also going to hang it next to something that was handmade just for you because they both speak to you. There's no, there's no judgment as to the, the highbrow, lowbrow, any of that stuff. It's just what it's all about. It's just what it's going to, what speaks to you and how you want to live with it and interact with it because it is, it's an interaction. It isn't just something static on the wall. Yes, that's, I mean, right behind me, I have, uh, this will be on video, like but wanting you to move right? over. <laughs> this is my, this is my friend, shout out, this is my friend, Emily Keating Snyder, who does amazing canvas work. Mm -hmm. This is my friend, Chelsea Lefkin, who does these amazing line drawings, and my friend, Lisa of Ella Studio, and then my friend, Margot, who photographs, I have a flat, I have a whole wall of just like flower pictures over here. 
<laughs> you can't see it right now, but you know, I, I have all of my favorite art around me and it's mostly from people that I know. And that makes it even mm -hmm. more special. Like you're totally, I totally agree. Like it doesn't have to be some art gallery in Europe with famous painters. It can be the amazing people right. that create incredible things around you all the time. And I think that also speaks to, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people I talk to who are creating amazing things would, don't, wouldn't even call themselves an artist. And I'm always like kind of bummed about that. I'm like, it's not like some special secret title that you have to qualify for by winning some award like it's no. you know are you making something cool like you get to be in that's your that's your art let that be your art it it really is um I taught art uh pre a, a grade pre-k to two um for years and I would start the year and everybody got a sketchbook and hand these little six-year-olds this five-year-olds four-year-olds a sketchbook and I go this is you're an artist. Here's your sketchbook. And they, I am for sure. Put that crayon on your hand, page after page after page. This is how you're going to express yourself. What do you want to draw? What do you want to do? And it, it never ceases to amaze me. The, I don't want to call it permission, but all of a sudden it was like, they just, oh, this has a, this has a place. It's not just this thing that's going to get thrown away. I have this hard bound black book. That's the same as the teacher carries every day that, you know, oh, I'm an artist. I'm like, yes, you are. As we all are in some way, shape. Oh, I love that. And I love that. And I feel like that yeah. it also like mirrors the, I feel like an adult would have the same reaction. They'd go, wait a second, this is mine. I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so speaking of witnessing art, something that I think is a really interesting question is how, how do you, how do you sit with art? How are we supposed to sit with art? Right? Because we've got the artist and the observer and the observer is in this witness position. Well, what does that mean? How do we, how does art become meaningful for us when we're sitting in front of it? And how do we interact with it? You know, obviously there's an appropriate interaction. We're not going to reach out and touch it, but you know, how do you sit with art? What does that mean? Um, for me, it's, let me sit with it. I, it's something that, that just really hits my heart. Like I can, I can walk through museums and I can walk through galleries and I can look and look and look and I can admire craftsmanship and I can admire, you know, like I can admire all those things. But I sit with it. For me, it's quietly. I, I just, I sit with it quietly. It's um pet peeve of you know the you go to the museum and people are like well this means that and that color means this and this line means that. <laughs> <laughs> um because it takes some I think it just takes some time when you find that piece that even just walking by and it catches your eye that you stop and you look and we don't look very much I think as a society we've gotten you know if you're sitting there and you're scrolling and you're scrolling, you're not really looking. So I think we've kind of gotten away from that. But um, if you can find that moment to look and 
see the things. I don't want to, you know, speculate on what someone's trying to say or any of those kinds of things. But if you, if you look, I remember an art professor who said the, the magic is in the edges. You don't know where to look, look at the edges because the way, the way colors, the way forms, you're, you want to look at the space in between the negative space. Um, you know, my own work is just about, yes, it's about the flowers, but the flowers are nothing if they have no space to be in, if they have mm. no place to breathe. So if you can see, if you start to look at art and you can look at it in the places in between and the places where the things come together, elements come together, maybe that's the place you can come into it. Because I think every art, it, you want you want to find the place where you're welcomed into it. And some does a very, you know, some does a really good job of that. Um, and for everybody, it's different. There may be artists that you really respond to, and there's some that you don't really respond to. So you find the people that it's like a taste of food. It's, you know, you either respond to it or you don't. So um, you find that place of the response, who's physical, tactile without touching it, you know, makes your my fingers start to like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, I, and be, I think it's like, I'm, I know we're not recording visual, but I'm like spreading open my, my chest here. It's like, mm -hmm. if you just kind of want to open to it, it's not, it's not a closed thing. It's an open ended process. Right. Okay. I love that. And there's some, okay. Oh my gosh. There's so many things I want to talk about. Um, and I definitely want to come back to negative it's a space. Salon. We can't. It's a, I know, right? I we need we need we need tea, we need drinks, we need a we need a space. Um I definitely want to I want to come back to negative space and I wrote that down. So listener, we're gonna come back to this topic in a second because negative space is something that I have actually been obsessed with since I worked in magazines and negative a lot of negative space. A lot of the negative space that you see in design was pioneered in the 60s by magazine layout. And I I Okay, yes, we're coming back to negative space. It's so important. So to come back to the magic is in the edges and find the place where you're welcomed into it. And that's something that I find so striking about artwork that's really, obviously it doesn't belong to you. You can't hang it in your home, but like artwork that's your artwork, right? Mm. Like there's one, I, I'm very lucky in that I'm like, mm, maybe a 20, 30 minute just stroll to the, to the um, LACMA in Los Angeles. <gasps> I'm pretty close. A five minute drive. It's it's not that far. Yes. And so that's one of my favorite activities if I have like a, a slow Tuesday or something. And there's one painting at the LACMA that I just love to go back to again and again, because every time I step in front of it from the moment I saw it and it caught my attention, I will just, I will stand in front of it for as long as I really can, as long as I can really justify, which you know, after a while, it feels a little awkwardly, but, but, and there's no, there's no seating in front of it. Right. And it's, um, I think it's like a, it's a Picasso from his blue period, which I never thought I would be drawn to, but one day I just passed this one painting and I can't ever stop looking at it. And, <clears throat> and I just get a whole body rush. Like I can feel it wash over my whole body when I'm looking at it. And it's the most incredible feeling. And I'm just like, I can't believe this came out of a, a human's mind and then a human's fingers like that. How did this, how did this come to life? And I'm the same way. I don't really want to talk it through. I just want to like experience it kind of like mm -hmm. 
And the same way at the movies, like when the movies are over, like, I don't want to, I don't want to dissect the movie. I want to sit with it for a minute, but I'm the same way, but I'm sure there are people that want to talk through it. I'm sure there are people that want to like, look at it from every angle, which, you know, sometimes I do too. I'm like, I want to see the brushstrokes, but, um, I think there are so many ways of experiencing art, but it's always, always, always from about three inches off the canvas at a minimum, right? Like we never get to truly interact with the art, even when it comes to, um, art that is, I mean, of course there's art that's interactive, but when, even when it comes to performance art, there's performance art out there that's interactive for the artist, but still not for the observer. So I think it's interesting, you know, to ask yourself as the witness, you know, how do I interact with art? How do I observe the art? How do I absorb the art? You know, how do I make it, how do I make it not just this meaningful piece, but how do I make the whole experience meaningful for me? And you know, that makes me think of, I just read this book called The Art Thief. I can't remember the, the author's name, but it's about this guy in the 90s who just kind of started stealing stuff randomly from museums um, in across Europe. He would just, he'd be like, I can fit this under my coat. I can fit this, uh, you know, in my wife's purse. And he got away with it. He stole like hundreds of thousands, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of art. And uh, wow. it's a really interesting story. He did get caught. But he would talk in the book he talks about or the the journalist who wrote it talked interviewed him and would talk about the experience that he had in front of a piece of art that was so overwhelming and such mm -hmm. a rush that he couldn't not take the art, which I thought was so interesting, right? Oh. <laughs> but ha but having to possess it, right? That's, you had to possess it, right? And I think we all so have that postcard. Right by a postcard. I think we all have that instinct of, I want to own this. I want to have this in front of me at all times. And that's right. not, you know, that's not available. <laughs> We're not, it's right. not a possibility. So we have to, in our minds, sort of wrap around, we have to wrap around the idea that like this moment doesn't, isn't going to last forever. This moment's a little bit, you know, ephemeral too. Right. So I want to ask you, so, I mean, Lachman's huge. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I mean, you walked through and one day you saw this one particular thing that draws you back over and over and over again. Do you have, does your experience viewing it change over time? You know what? Or do it, you go back to go, I want to feel that all over again and I want to see what that's like? That is such a good question. It's the same way. It's the same thing every single time. And I was so caught off guard with it by it because I'm just not a Picasso fan. I'm, I think his work is interesting, but I'm just not absorbed by it. But this one painting that is luckily on permanent exhibit at the LACMA um, from his blue period, I, I have the same experience with it over time. It's an overwhelming feeling. And it's, it's so I know that every time I go back, I'm going to have the same relaxed moment of like complete disconnection from the rest of the world. And I can just sit with this painting. Um, and I think that's so lovely. So, oh, that's an interesting question. It's the same experience every time. And it never gets less than, isn't that neat? Oh, that it never gets less than mm -hmm. that's lovely because, and then that it's that um, Picasso quote art, what is it? Art chases away the dust of the soul or something like that. Do you know what I'm you know that? Ooh, let's, let's look it up. I'm going to look it up. Art washes away from the soul, the dust of everyday life. That's it. <gasps> that's what it is. I can, cause yeah, I can just feel the rest of the world of like, oh, who cares about the yeah. rest of it? So imagine if you brought though, that kind of feeling into your home. Mm-hmm. 
your office space on the daily. And even if like we drink coffee every day, but we may not taste it all the time, but the moment, you know, the times we take the moment that we taste, like really taste the coffee, you just kind of stop and go, oh, this is so good. So if you have this, these pieces in your home that you just stop and see, and what a gift that is, you know, mm-hmm. whether you paid a dollar at a flea market or someone made it for you, you know, whatever it is, it just, it's that place where you just stop. And I, uh, I just love that. For you know anybody. what? It's kind of like when I look at my dogs and I don't understand how, but my dogs never always get more cute every day that I look at them. They never get less cute. I don't get it. I'm like, how are you more cute today than you were yesterday? That's wild. <laughs> right and I the thing I love about that is like dogs really keep us in the moment they they always I and I I think of this because I had a therapist that was uh that used animals as part of the therapy and um he used to talk about how dogs are always in the moment and are a great model for humans and so anyway, I think it's nice that whenever I'm looking at my dogs, I'm just very in the moment when I feel that feeling of like, oh my God, you're just so cute. It's being fully <laughs> present, um, similar, but different than, you know, standing in front of an amazing painting, still fully yeah. present in the moment. Um, okay. So let's go back to negative space a little bit, because this is so important in when you're considering art, because You don't have to fill up the space of everything. You don't have to, much like in life, you don't have to do all of the things all of the time. You need some downtime. You need some rest. And your eyes also need that when you're looking at any piece of art. Your eyes need a place to breathe a little bit. And so this can come, this comes in handy in a lot of places. When I I talk, when I talk my clients through an Instagram grid, I tell them you need some, you need some breathing room on your grid. It can't just be awesome photo, awesome photo, awesome photo, full, fill the, fill the frame all the time. As much as the dopamine rush that that gives us, we got to have some negative space. So tell me your thoughts on creating your work or bringing negative space into your work or your just thoughts on it in general. Uh, thoughts on it in general. My thoughts on it in general is that there's not enough. Um, <laughs> um, in, in the process, so in my process, as I'm working with flowers, painting is tarder. Trained as a painter, painting is harder for me for negative space. But it, when I have this two-dimensional plane in front of me and I'm going to put pieces on it and I have these different shapes um I make my job much harder because uh and I tell this to every all my clients I you we don't know how big it's going to be we don't know how small it's going to be you need to be open to that it it's like you can give me some parameters but I just need I need some breathing room so Every piece starts with a 32 by 40 inch piece of archival board. And, and then we go from there. So I, and I adore, adore my clients who say, what do you need? I, I want your artistry. I want this to happen. 
what do you need to make this happen? And I just say space. So it's this freedom of knowing that I don't have a, okay, so within that though, but I also know that there is freedom and boundaries. And we, you and I both know that as creatives, like we can't have, just can't, we can't have the whole thing in front of us. We need a boundary. So mine are 32 by 40 <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, so I, I'm always just looking for the way, the way the space goes, the way, and you know, that, that thing that sculptures, sculptors say, I mm-hmm. just take away what doesn't belong. Yes. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh. I put in what I, I put in what I want to see. Mm-hmm. And then I have to move them, arrange them to let them show me what they want to be. Mm-hmm. It's that so, moment when you're letting, you're letting it speak to you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. I, and I don't, I don't want it to sound pretentious, but it's really true. It just, you just know the moment mm-hmm. it all falls into place, whether the line is going this, you know, going down this way. And, and you and I both know an eighth of an inch off one way or another, it's going to make all the difference. Oh yeah. It just makes all the difference. Yeah. So um, it all just has to, it's this dance that it does. And the negative space is the dance floor, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the stage for it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You just know it when it's right. I just, I, I, I wish I could be more formulaic than that, but you just know it when it's right. I think that's the magic of it. And that's what's so hard about art is that there's like a deep trust you have to have in yourself because not everything can have a parameter, right? Not, you know, we, we do great within the boundaries and parameters, but at the same time, like we need the space to let the magic come in a little bit, to let, to let the flowers speak to us, to let the, you know, paint speak to us, the canvas speak to us. And I also feel like if we can make room for those moments, that's also when it's going to, like you were talking about earlier, find the place where you're welcome, welcomed into that art. What you're creating Mm -hmm. in the moment it speaks to you is going to be the place where a viewer, a witness is welcomed into that art. I feel like that's where the portal starts to open um, to, to speak in many languages about it. But oh, I love that. I think that's so beautiful. And I think that it's so important to like say it that way that, you know, it's just, it's speaking to you because that part's hard. Like, what do you, that part is hard. You have to trust that it's coming along. Do you feel like, mm. you know, th- do you feel like you always just trusted that it was coming along or is that something you kind of had to, a muscle that you had to build for yourself? It's the, it's the, it's the thing I trust. Mm. And, you know, we, we talk about people talking about, well, you're an artist first or a business person first. And it's like, oh, artist first, please. This is the easy part. This is the part, not that it's easy, but, you know, this is the part that it's like, it's, I don't know, I'm swimming. Like, I know how to do it. Like, I, it's, I know how, I know what I'm doing. I speak a language. I have a skill set. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's all the other stuff that, I'm supposed to have negative space in my Instagram grid. <laughs> my idea of negative space in my Instagram grid is that I didn't post anything for the last three months. <laughs> you know what? I think it counts. 
<laughs> I'm gonna put a white block and go, Paige said I could do this. She said, I I got permission. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I think it just it it's it's a thing that I it's a thing that I know and and also thankful that did I know it 12 years ago when I started? No, mm. not at all. And I didn't know how certain flowers reacted to time and I didn't know how certain colors changed. I didn't know, like, there's just so much I didn't know that I've learned over the years, but I'm at this place of just like, yeah, now I know what that does. Yeah. It's something will still always throw, throw me for a loop, which is good. I love that. I, that's something that I try to incorporate just in my, in my daily work, probably because I haven't made personal work in so long, but in my daily work, I'm trying to, you know, we make a shot list for every shoot that we're doing, but I, Mm -hmm. I try to set expectations with my clients and say, you know, we want a detailed shot list to get everything that you need, but we want to also leave space and time for the magic to come in. So I like to be planned and unplanned, right? I like to have a set schedule, specific, detailed, but like we got to leave some room for a little bit of magic to happen. And when we do that, when we let the magic happen, those are always the photos that people love the most. Um, but that magic always comes in. And I, and once I, I don't know, I think that I, maybe I, I don't, did I ever doubt it? I think I doubted it with different types of photography. Like once I slid into this kind of photography, I, I never doubted it. But, you know, I loved doing weddings, but I had a lot of doubt when I was doing weddings. Um, I loved Mm -hmm. doing families, but I had a lot of doubt when I was doing families. Like, could I show up and be an artist in those ways? Um, Because it's hard Mm -hmm. to be an artist in those ways. So anyway, I think that's an interesting, an interesting moment is like letting that trust take over, letting that magic kind of take over. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think it's, and I think it's a gift that if you're starting to be, if you're giving into that creative urge to make things. I think that's an, an amazing gift you can give yourself. Just, mm. Yeah. Just, it's always going to, it's always going to ebb and it's going to flow and it's not going to be the same from one day to the next. And because if we were, we'd be factories and you know, we're not. Yes. Yes. We're people. That is. Yeah. Yes. I want to just draw a line under that real quick for everybody, because I think that we, we do, we become creatives and then we expect ourselves to be consistent because the work demands that we be creative on demand, right? It demands a certain kind of consistency, which doesn't really feel human or natural because you're right. We are not factories. We're humans and there's an ebb and flow to everything. So it's, it's everything. Exactly. It's good to give yourself a little bit of that, like grace and time and space and I think that's that whole like you know it takes me four to six eight months to make something Mm -hmm. like you're gonna get your thing (laughs) but I'm not gonna force like I'm not gonna force myself to do it if I'm tired for three days I'm napping for three days Mm -hmm. my studio's not going anywhere I'm just then I'm gonna come in when I'm refreshed and I can look at this with fresh eyes and approach it in the way that it deserves to be approached Mm -hmm. and walk up to it and greet it and have this, I have this whole thing I go through and anyway. Yeah. Yes. So, I, you know, that's it's a moment. I, I love that because I, the, the more I move forward, the more I move along in life, um, the more I notice that urgency does not sit well in my body, like panic and urgency does not, I don't get, I mean, I can get results. They're not what I want. You know, they're what other people want, but it's not what I want. 
And I always end up just frustrated with myself that I ever let anything get to a point of urgency or a point of panic, because if you can come back, if I can come back to boundaries and reset boundaries, mm-hmm. it usually works out pretty okay. Um, it right. rarely doesn't. So anyway, yes, I think, I think that space and time, which exists in the negative space, it, ex- it exists in the witnessing, it exists in the magic of creating, it exists in so many right. places. And I feel like our day-to-day lives often demand that we squeeze out that, whatever that is, that time, that space. I don't do well with that. Same. The whole crushing thing and all Same. No, absolutely thing. not. No. So this is both of us giving permission to our dear listeners to just to just say no to the urgency and let yeah to just say no to the urgency say no and yeah. to find and, a body of water and go sit by it take a deep breath <laughs> yeah preferably as often as possible um because it's you know, it's a negative space of our life too it's like you just can't be going 24/7 Yes. And that's the, I think those are the most beautiful, the negative space of our life. Like that's just, I think the most beautiful way to put it. Like that's what we're all clamoring for anyway, is, is the negative space in our life. The time when we can sit and breathe and like relish in other people or relish in alone time or relish in the making, like everything we do outside of it is to make more of the negative space in our life, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's to make more of that special time, you know, the work that, you know, the working and the paycheck and the, and the social, everything that we're doing outside of it is so that we can find more time inside of it. <sighs> oh, I like that. That we find more time in, inside of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's Which true. is why it's, which is why it's so important that you choose what's in your home, mm-hmm. you choose what's in your space, that you make these deliberate, it's not that I need 72 inches above the sofa kind of thing. You know, it that can be a starting point, but mm-hmm. just make sure that whatever space that that's taking up, that it's something that you just want to invite into your negative space <gasps> because you, you're going to, yeah. you're feeling this like we, yeah. Oh, we could go on and on. We could go on. <laughs> I, I think that's beautiful though. I, yes, that's what we invite you to today is to sit in the negative space of your own life and enjoy it and decorate it how you see fits. I love that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Linda, what do you have coming up? What can you tell us about? Tell us where to find you. Um, you can find me at, uh, my website is floralee.com, F-L-O-R-A hyphen L-Y.com. Um, and Instagram is floralee Linda. You can find me there. Um, coming up, uh, from the time I started doing this work, I knew I wanted to do stationery uh, and paper because paper is a God-given right. Um <laughs> My dad worked yes. for Warehouser. I grew up with free paper. And then when you go to art school, you go, I have to buy this? What do you mean <laughs> I have to buy this? Like, no. Um, I just, I've always wanted to do this. And the work is finally at a place um, that it's ready and it's translatable. And so there's going to be prints coming out. So um, don't have to buy original. If you like it, um, you can have a print. So um that'll be coming out. That'll be on the website. Um, so yeah, printed, printed paper things. Oh, I love that. And okay. Hopefully, and 
maybe fabric too. <gasps> okay. Fingers my fingers are crossed. I'm going to put all of those links in the show notes. So you can go find Linda on Instagram. You can go see her website. You can go see her collection that's coming out. Linda, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so grateful. This was such an incredible salon. It was an incredible salon. And how many months ago did we say that we like having a conversation that we need a salon? So thank you so much. This was really, it was a blast. It was really a great time. Thanks, Paige. Thank you. Thank you for joining me here today on Over the Edge podcast. Come back next week. And of course, like, subscribe, give me five stars. I would love that. Um, Help a girl out because I am new to this podcasting thing and I could really use the support. Thank you guys so much for being here and I'll talk to you next week.